Good Monday morning. The fallout continues to grow over that deadly police encounter in Memphis. Yeah, and it's already leading to change. It's January 30th. This is today. Disbanded, the controversial police unit at the center of the Tyree Nichols case now being permanently deactivated. Protesters calling it a first step toward justice. I saw the video. It made me angry. It made me cry. A court date is set for the five officers facing murder charges. We will have the very latest from Memphis. Breaking overnight, Secretary of State Antony Blinken on a high-stakes trip to the Middle East this morning amid some of the worst violence there in years. We'll have a live report from Jerusalem just ahead. Hitting the trail, Donald Trump holds his first campaign events for 2024. I'm more committed now than I ever was because... His pointed message to potential Republican rival Ron DeSantis and what polls show about who the front runner really is. Brutal blast, the coldest air of the season blanketing a large section of the country. Millions in the South born to brace for a potentially paralyzing ice storm. Al's got the forecast. And we take a closer look at how the East Coast has been dealing with a snowless season. All that plus cutting back major pharmacies from CVS to Walmart set to reduce their hours while your next prescription may be harder to fill. Today, Monday, January 30th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to you today on this Monday morning. Nice to have you along with us. What a football weekend. Now, I'm wearing my Eagles green. Does this mean you're rooting for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? No, it does not mean that. But somebody is a horse and B has a pep in her step. <laughs> you were at the game. You yes. got to see it in person. How amazing was oh, that? It was so fun. Mike, a Philly native, yeah. an Eagles fan, and yeah. our two little kids oh, got to, for the first time we got to see. Do you see what that sign says? What? It says, um, we're from Philly. People don't like us and we don't care. That's the big thing in Philly. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. So we had a good time. Good. Uh, we're on the Super Bowl. It's set yeah. now. We want to begin, though, with the news. And in Memphis, where there's a lot to catch you up on over the weekend, uh, the police uh, were releasing those videos in the Tyree Nichols case. Yeah, overnight we learned a court date has been set for the now five fired officers all charged with murder. That news coming as the special Scorpion police unit that they were all part of has been completely disbanded. In the meantime, there were more protests, overwhelmingly peaceful demonstrations across the country calling for police reform in departments nationwide. For the latest now, we want to get right to NBC's Priscilla Thompson. She's on the ground. She's in Memphis. Priscilla, good morning. Savannah, good morning. It has been a long and painful weekend here in Memphis as demonstrators took to the streets to demand change. And the Memphis Police Department listened, announcing they would disband the controversial Scorpion unit almost immediately after this horrific video was released. And a warning, the footage you're about to see is disturbing. Out of your car, into the street! This morning, a nation outraged. Peaceful demonstrations sweeping the country from Atlanta to Oakland, St. Paul, and Memphis. I saw the video and it broke my heart. Demonstrators here brought traffic to a standstill on Interstate 55 for hours as they're continuing to march into the night, demanding action and accountability. The Memphis Police Department's Scorpion Unit, tasked with targeting violent crime since 2021, shut down amid the outcry. After five officers from the unit were seen brutally beating 29-year-old Tyree Nichols during a traffic stop earlier this month. 
Silent surveillance video appears to show an officer holding Nichols up as others punch him in the face repeatedly. Nichols' final words on the tape, gut-wrenching cries for his mom as the officers pepper sprayed and kicked him. All five officers have been fired and are now all charged with second-degree murder. Two Shelby County Sheriff's deputies and two Memphis Fire Department personnel are also now under investigation for their actions, spokespeople confirm. So nothing we did yesterday precludes the addition of later charges at a later time, including charges of uh, other people. Tyree Nichols' parents are planning a funeral on Wednesday for their 29-year-old son, a young father who they say loved to skateboard and watch sunsets. What do you hope people remember about Tyree? That my son was a beautiful soul, and um, that's how I want him to be remembered. In pool pits across Memphis this weekend, prayers for the family. Shower them with your blessings. In a community desperate for healing. The thing about healing is that even when a wound is healed, there's still a scar, and the scar remains forever. Priscilla, there's also a controversy growing this morning over the initial police release and what was actually seen in the body cam footage. Can you fill us in? That's right. Police initially described this as a confrontation that occurred during the, the traffic stop as it began. But what we saw in that video is that police approached Nichols' car with guns drawn. An officer opened the driver's side door and yanked him out of the, of, of the seat. And so there is some concern about how that was described. And we don't know what happened before uh, that footage, but the police chief has said that she has found no justification so far for the traffic stop. And there's also concern about this description in the report uh, that Tyree complained of shortness of breath when what we saw on the video is that after the beating, uh, police officers held him up against a car and he slumped over several times. So it's unclear if he would have even been able to communicate that he was having shortness of breath. And so all of these discrepancies are leading people throughout the weekend and today to call for greater accountability, more police reform, something that will likely come up at next week's State of the Union, where Tyree Nichols' parents are expected to be among those in attendance. Savannah? Still so many questions there. Priscilla, thank you very much. Now let's move to a high-stakes visit to the Middle East by Secretary of State Antony Blinken. After a stop in Cairo, he is touching down in Jerusalem this morning, where tension is high amid an eruption of violence. NBC's Kelly Kobiea joins us now from Jerusalem. Hey, Kelly, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. Secretary Blinken sitting down with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for the first time since Netanyahu's return to office. And it comes as Israel is on its highest alert level, elevated after the deadliest attack on Israelis in more than a decade. This morning, Israeli security forces blanketing Jerusalem after a Palestinian gunman opened fire on worshippers as they left a synagogue Friday night in the deadliest attack on Israelis since 2008. Israeli officials say 10 were shot, 7 killed, including a 14-year-old boy. The gunman shot dead by police. Just hours later Saturday morning, Israeli officials say a 13-year-old Palestinian boy shot an Israeli father and son in a Palestinian neighborhood in East Jerusalem. This video showing the moment an Israeli military officer on leave fired back, shooting the boy, who is now recovering in a hospital. Secretary of State Blinken speaking out this morning after arriving in Israel. We condemn it in the strongest terms. It's the responsibility of everyone to take steps 
to calm tensions rather than inflame them. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu promising a strong and swift response, ordering Israeli security forces to seal off one attacker's family home. He says the Israelis came and terrorized the women and children and threw them out of the house. All of it coming after this deadly Israeli commando raid Thursday night in the occupied West Bank left nine dead. Seven of them militants, according to Israeli officials. Tenth died of his injuries Sunday. Israel says most were members of Islamic Jihad planning an imminent attack. Funerals drawing emotional crowds on both sides. The spate of violence, the first test for Netanyahu's new government, widely considered the most far right in the country's history, bowing to take a hard line against all Palestinians and expand settlements in occupied territories. The consecutive U.S. administrations are on the wrong side of history. They are wrong side of democracy. Secretary Blinken also expected to bring up Iran. Over the weekend, there was a drone attack on an Iranian military facility. The video not independently verified by NBC News. Iranian officials blamed the U.S. and Israel. Both the CIA and Israeli defense officials refused to comment. Hoda? All right. Kelly Kobiea for us there in Jerusalem. Kelly, thank you. Meanwhile, the first presidential primary is still more than a year away, but the Republican race is already picking up steam. Former President Trump hit the trail in two key early voting states over the weekend. In his speeches, he went after President Biden, as well as a growing list of potential Republican opponents. NBC senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson has the details. Hallie, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. Some 10 weeks after announcing he'd run for the White House again, the former president is out hitting the campaign trail. So far, the only official candidate in the GOP primary, but already taking aim at potential challengers, like Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, declaring him disloyal. Former President Trump back home this morning after his first big campaign swing to New Hampshire and South Carolina, dismissing critics who say his 2024 push is off to a slow and sputtering start. They said he's not doing rallies. He's not campaigning. Maybe he's lost that step. Uh, we didn't. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Mr. Trump again pushing his election fraud lies and on his plane after his rallies pushing a new attack against Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, a potential 2024 challenger. I got him elected. Ron would have not been governor if it wasn't for me, and that's okay. Then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal. That's after a new poll in New Hampshire, released just before Mr. Trump's visit, shows DeSantis with a 12-point lead over the former president. The governor hasn't formally announced anything yet, but he's widely speculated to be planning a presidential run, with advisors actively preparing, according to The Washington Post, citing two Republicans with knowledge of the conversation. NBC News has not confirmed that reporting. Some Republicans arguing the party needs someone other than Mr. Trump at the top of the ticket, pointing to the underwhelming midterms for the GOP and the former president's support of controversial candidates who failed to win. We could go through the entire list. Loser, 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 loser. And I think Republicans are recognizing that. Still, Mr. Trump remains the GOP frontrunner, leading a crowded field of possible challengers, not just DeSantis, but Trump administration veterans like former Vice President Mike Pence, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Trump loyalists still behind him. There are many, many talented people for years to come, but there is only one Donald Trump. 
Hallie, this all comes as a new NBC News poll sheds light on where Americans stand on former President Trump and President Biden's classified documents issues. What do you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, Savannah, an equal number of people, 67 percent, say they're as concerned about the materials found at President Biden's home as the material found at former President Trump's home, even with some key differences between these two cases, like President Biden's attorney saying they turned over the documents as soon as they were found versus former President Trump, who failed to fully comply with a subpoena. Savannah. All right. Hallie Jackson in Washington. Thank you. Got another story we are closely following. Students returning to an elementary school in Virginia this morning for the first time since a six-year-old shot and wounded his teacher in the first grade classroom. The community is still grappling with the fallout. NBC's Katie Beck is in Newport News for us. Hey, Katie, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. That's right. These kids have not seen the inside of a classroom for the past three weeks. They're going to return today to see a huge police presence and new security measures right at the front door. Still, many parents are feeling anxious about a return to school. This morning, it's back to school for the students of Rich Neck Elementary. The scene where police say a six-year-old intentionally shot his teacher, 25-year-old Abigail Zwerner, inside a classroom earlier this month. The elementary school, as well as all schools in the district, will now use metal detectors. The school is also said to be providing clear backpacks for students. As the investigation into the shooting continues, Zwerner's attorney is preparing to file a lawsuit against the Newport News School District, saying the administration failed to act despite multiple warnings of imminent danger. Three times school administration was warned by concerned teachers and employees that the boy had a gun on him at the school and was threatening people. But the administration could not be bothered. The school district has declined to comment, citing the ongoing investigation. A source close to the situation also revealing about an hour before she was shot, Zwerner texted a loved one and showed her frustration over the school's lack of response. The source noting, quote, she was frustrated because she was trying to get help with this child for this child. And then when she needed help, no one was coming. NBC News has not seen the text message. Meanwhile, staff shakeups continue with the school board firing the superintendent and new leadership at the elementary school, according to a district spokesperson. A spokesperson for the school district told CNN the principal has been reassigned. The troubling incident spotlighting the fears of many parents as they send their kids off to school. Maria Navarrete has two young kids at Rich Neck Elementary. I don't think anything they have done has like eased or lessened my worries about them returning to school. I feel like we can't trust, you know, the, the staff at all. The Newport News Police Department says their investigation into possible charges continues. They should be wrapping that up within the next two weeks. But still, anxiety continues as students return to school. The parents of that six-year-old boy saying he suffers from an acute disability. And they say they are continuing to pray for the full recovery of Abigail Zwerner. Hoda? Katie Beckforce there in Newport News. Katie, thank you. All right, 16 minutes after the hour. You mm-hmm. think I'm horse from the football games? I'll give the City Chiefs two fan over here. We were, we're all a little bleary-eyed yeah. this morning. The man was it fun. So, perhaps you've heard the matchup for Super Bowl 57 now set. The Philadelphia Eagles, SG got a front-row seat to this one, dominating the 49ers to represent the NFC, while the Kansas City Chiefs topped the Bengals 
in a Sunday night thriller. And all of this as the Bills' DeMar Hamlin spoke out on camera for the first time since his on-field collapse. NBC's Kaylee Hartung is covering all of it for us this morning. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Craig. Championship Sunday brought the drama down to the wire. There were game-changing injuries and a game-clinching field goal as the clock expired, with the Eagles and the Chiefs earning the right to play in the Super Bowl. Now we have got a big game to look forward to with a matchup of MVP candidate quarterbacks and a battle of brothers. Meanwhile, Damar Hamlin taking to social media, speaking publicly for the first time since suffering nearly fatal cardiac arrest. Now Hamlin is back at home thanking the people who saved his life. It's just remarkable to see DeMar Hamlin like that. Now, you guys in New York may have noticed the Empire State Building getting in on the celebrations last night, lighting up to honor both the winning teams. Now, Chiefs red is one thing, but the green lights for the Eagles, oh, that cut deep for some New York Giants fans. Remember, just last week, the Eagles hammered their NFC East rivals in the divisional round. The Eagles actually beat the Giants all three times they played this season. (laughs) Social media was full of disbelief that the iconic New York landmark would do Giants fans like that. But I know Savannah was happy to see it. Well, you know what? It's the definition of too soon. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a little raw Empire State Building. But Craig and I are ready to. We got some happy people on this set. Yes, we do. This is actually So I texted Craig last night. I said if the Chiefs win, then Dell, his son who loves Mahomes, should bet Vale and Charlie. So we're going to make it interesting. Oh, get a little wager going. What do you? What's on the table? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I don't know yet. Not donut. money though. A donut Not or something. Okay. Yes. I don't know. Cool. Well, congrats yeah. to both you guys. I can't believe you made it. the thing about this Super Bowl. There's so many storylines yeah. besides the brothers. This is the first time you're going to have two black quarterbacks facing yeah. off. This is the first time you've got the number one team from the AFC. Number, number one, one team, team from the NFC. It's going to be epic. It is going to be. Is he going to be okay? He's got. He's got two weeks to get better. He's got time. Got time. Okay. Jalen is fine too. Thank you for asking. Just checking in with you. Jalen's more than fine. Red, Al, I'm going to need you on my team. Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) In fact, hey, Empire State Building, you're dead to me. Oh, you I'm, do I'm kid. moving. I'm moving to the Chrysler Building. Oh, oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm very excited for you guys. That's good for you. Uh, for a lot of our friends, 16 million of us under Windchill Advisory, Windchill Watches, Windchill Warnings. Look at these windchills right now. Uh, it feels like 41 degrees below zero in Fargo, 19 below in Minneapolis. Amarillo, Texas feels like minus six. And during the afternoon hours, not much better. Dodge City, you'll feel like zero. Minus 21 in Grand Forks, Chicago, a wind chill of zero. Plus, we've got winter weather storm watches, winter storm warnings, ice warnings up right now. 48 million people. We're going to be watching this stationary front, low pressure developing along it uh, for the south, concern for freezing rain, hazardous travel. That continues again tomorrow, the threat of snow, freezing rain, heavy rain down to the south, stretching from Texas on into Kentucky, ice accumulations of up to a quarter of an inch by Wednesday, stretching from Texas all the way up into West Virginia. Dangerous travel conditions, power outages possible. We're going to be watching that and heavy rain down to the south of that. That's your latest weather. Coming up the next half hour, where is the snow in the Northeast? Where is it? Let's talk about it. That is exactly what we're going to be talking about. It's been a mostly mild winter, and Stephanie Gosk is looking into how it's getting kind of tough for some of these cold weather businesses. Hi, Steph. It is, you know, but just listen for a second, and you may hear birds. 
birds in Central Park in late January, but not everyone is happy about it. Coming up, we'll tell you how it's affecting winter businesses as well as the decades old record this city is about to break. Did Guys. she just did she just say go birds? I, she, go birds. You can only hear one thing. No, no. She can only hear yeah. that's what I she heard. Did. Oh, she did. Yeah. All right, plus it's about to get harder to pick up your prescriptions. What you need to know about a big announcement from two major chains ready to cut pharmacy hours at stores from coast to coast. But first, this is today on ah. NBC. Ah. It's funny because that Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Back now, uh, 7.30, it's a Monday morning. Oh, hello, January 30th. Let's give some camera time to our, we have a very, very robust crowd. We do. This is a Monday. Uh, wow, we're happy y'all are here. Uh, and we're going to enjoy spending some time with you a little later on. Yeah, we'll get out there in just a mm-hmm. bit. Let's get to your headlines. 7.30 on a Monday morning, a manhunt is underway this morning for a suspect accused of torturing a woman he held captive in Oregon. And police say 36-year-old Benjamin Foster is the subject of an intensive round-the-clock search now. Last week, the victim was found unconscious, bound, and near death in Grants Pass, Oregon's. Investigators say Foster is now actively using dating apps apps still to find people who can help him avoid police or to find new victims. They are offering a reward for information leading to his arrest. It is not the news drivers wanted to hear. Gas prices on the rise again. The average for a gallon of regular currently hovering around $3.50 a gallon. That is up nearly 10 cents from a week ago, 40 cents from last month. Experts put the blame on refinery troubles and booming oil prices. Also, mild winter weather, which translates to more cars on the road and higher demand. Lisa Loring, the actress best known for her role as Wednesday Adams on the 1960s sitcom The Adams Family, has died. Loring played a, a young Wednesday Adams from 1964 to 1966. And that character, of course, getting renewed attention now because of that new Netflix show called Wednesday. Loring would go on to appear in several programs, including Fantasy Island and As the World Turns. Lisa Loring was 64 years old. All right, let's talk about this winter weather now, or should we say the lack of winter weather on the East Coast? Yeah, in major cities like here in New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., those cities have yet to have any measurable snow this season. It's a trend that's really starting to impact businesses that rely on the cold and the snow. Yeah, NBC's Stephanie Gosk is over at Central Park looking into it for us. Hi, Stephanie, good morning. 
Hey guys, good morning. The last time Central Park went this far into the winter season without measurable snow, I was in diapers and not walking yet. Now that record's going to be broken on February 4th, and if the weather forecast it has any suggestion, and if, and if it is true, then it, that's exactly what's going to happen. This January on the East Coast and parts of the Midwest, it's been so warm lately. An historic winter that feels anything like it at times, with mild temperatures and record low snowfalls. Exactly. Our current snow depth, of course, is looking pretty wimpy, especially compared to areas in the Northwest. In New York, it's been 50 years since the city waited this long for the first measurable snowfall of the season. And it's not just the snow that's lacking. In Washington, D.C., January is running nearly eight degrees warmer than average, the third warmest on record. It's all leaving snow lovers disappointed and wondering whether they'll get to enjoy any this year. Really disappointed. There's not enough snow to make a snow angels. And it's creating a tough season for some winter businesses like salt and snowplow companies. If there's a lack of snow for a long time, it's a serious concern for the industry. For Ice Castles, a company that creates fun winter wonderlands, opening day has been delayed until February for two of their five locations in Wisconsin and New York. And we're going to hope that it's a little colder next year. And while ski resorts can create their own snow, it still requires some cooperation from Mother Nature. Anytime we can get cold temps and some natural snow, that is music to my ears. Without that, we have to push a little bit more into overdrive. At Vail's three western Pennsylvania resorts in the Laurel Highlands, about 50% of the trails are open. During what's likely the warmest January in the Pittsburgh area since 2006, averaging 29 degrees. Vermont is home to 50 alpine and cross-country ski resorts. We're in really good shape right now, um, but we're really beholden to, to the weather to some degree. Which Ski Vermont's president says had a slow start to the season. Our ski areas employ about 13,000 people um, in the peak winter season. You've got a number of other businesses like, like retail shops, restaurants, hotels, inns, lodges, grocery stores, convenience stores, gas stations that really rely on that skier traffic. That cold weather that Al was talking about is going to make its way across the country, which is good news for some of those businesses. But a lot of them are looking down the road and thinking they're going to have to restructure how they do business if it stays warm like this, guys. All right, Stephanie, thank you. And let's get it all in on this. Well, on the upside, there are a lot of highway supervisors who are very excited because yeah. this is not impacting their budget. They, you know, they lower, they add in a lot of uh, costs for snow, snow removal. Here in New York City, for every inch of snow, it's about $1.5 million to remove that snow. So they're saving a lot of money right now. And in fact, the new record comes, uh, we're, we're about to, we're hitting it right now. 326 days since the last measurable snowfall, we go to fill Philadelphia approaching the latest first snowfall back. It'll be on the day after Groundhog's Day. The average snowfall, 19.3 inches. That's not happening. Washington, D.C., averaging about 13.0 inches of snow. Zip so far. And that's been 381 days since their latest measurable snow. Even one of the snowiest cities in the country, uh, Syracuse averages 120 inches of snow, they're three feet behind the average. Well, why is this? Basically, we're talking about this lack of cold, unfavorable storm tracks because of the La Nina and because of climate, we're seeing winter warming up and more extreme swings in weather. So this is going to be a real pattern we see. 
February outlook is in and the eastern third of the country warmer than average. Oh, I saw some fists raised over there. I'm excited about it. We like warm weather. Okay, there you go. It's colder than average up to the plains and the Pacific Northwest. Precipitation wise, wetter than average around the Great Lakes and the Ohio and upper Mississippi River Valley. Drier than average along the Gulf and into the Southwest. And that's your latest weather. All right, guys, I have a question. Uh Do you think you could be actually addicted to junk food? Is that a trick question? Oh, yeah. We're going to break down some. There's actually now research to back up what you already know, Al, out this morning. It's revealing what those high in sugar treats are actually doing to our brains. Oh, okay. First, though, Sam Brock is going to explore the reasons why some major pharmacies are, are getting ready to slash their hours. Yeah, Craig, that's right. It's Walmart and CVS are the most recent companies scaling back their pharmacy hours starting in March. We're talking about 10,000 plus pharmacies between them. Now, Walmart says it's about better work-life balance for its pharmacy staff and providing better service to customers. But Craig, industry-wide, there is a major issue right now with staffing. What that means for you, coming up next. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Emily Blunt to talk about the award season chatter around her performance in Oppenheimer, her penchant for napping anytime, anyplace, and a question from her husband, John Krasinski. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. We are back, 742, today's Consumer Confidential. And this morning, the reason that picking up your prescriptions could soon get a little bit harder. Yeah, Yeah, CVS and Walmart are announcing plans to scale back pharmacy hours. That's starting in March as the industry tries to address a shortage of pharmacists and other key positions. NBC's Sam Brock joins us now with everything we need to know. And Sam, this actually happened to me just yesterday at the pharmacy. Yeah, you know, a lot of people on the local level are, are seeing this at a pharmacy near them already, Craig and Hoda Savannah. Good morning. What we're talking about right now is a situation where it really depends on the chain. And in some cases, guys, the individual store, what the new hours will be as it pertains to Walmart. And it's roughly 4,600 pharmacies nationwide. The hours for pharmacies closing are going to go from nine o'clock to seven o'clock at night during the week, right when many people are getting home from work. Picking up your prescription may soon become a race against the clock. CVS announcing that two-thirds of its pharmacies at some 9,000 stores will adjust their hours beginning in March. Walmart also planning to start closing its pharmacies at 7 instead of 9 on weeknights at about 4,600 locations. The industry shift meant to maximize efficiency, but still unsettling to some. That's ridiculous. If most people work 9 to 5s, Realistically, you don't get home to like six o'clock. You're not going to have enough time to get to any pharmacy after work. Slashing hours, just the latest attempt to deal with a nationwide shortage of pharmacists. In a statement, CVS saying the change was part of a periodic review to make sure that stores are open during peak demand. Walmart says they're making the cuts in part to enhance their pharmacy team's work-life balance, but also to maintain the best level of service for customers. 
who also worry about juggling schedules. What kind of a difference would that make for you? Well, you have to go in the middle of the day. So when you're rushing to go pick up a child from school or when you're r- rushing to work or at lunchtime, you have to get out and go pick up your prescription. Drugstores already strained by the COVID pandemic and this winter, a busy flu and virus season, have pharmacists wearing many hats. Not only are we still trying to fill everybody's you know, heart, you know, heart medicine and blood pressure medicine and, and all those antibiotics, but we're also now trying to fill prescriptions for COVID. So multiply our workload times a million. Amanda Poole recently made the hard choice to leave her job as a CVS pharmacist after 10 years. She says she was stretched so thin she feared of making a fatal mistake. We just have gotten to the point where it's either our job as a pharmacist, we're going to work and put up with it and deal with it and maybe potentially hurt somebody and harm a patient, or we're going to step back and step away. And that's what I ended up doing. Heightening the urgency, the Bureau of Labor Statistics predicts slower-than-average employment growth for pharmacists over the next decade as demand is only rising. Some companies are using new tactics to attract staff, like big bonuses and pay bumps. Walgreens upping its signing bonus to $75,000 this year for pharmacists. They say they're now seeing positive staffing trends. Industry experts say these retail stores are vital. The chain pharmacies serve our communities in a lot of different areas, right? We, we have um, our elderly population, uh, our underserved population that are going to be cut from access when they have a neighborhood pharmacy that no longer is open. It's a problem for sure. Sam, you mentioned this trend of, of fewer available pharmacists. Do we know what's behind that? And do we know what's being done to fix that? Well, one thing we know for sure, Craig, is that the number of pharmacy school applicants has dropped by a third since its peak just a decade ago. So the raw numbers say this is a problem. Now, we talked about bonuses, higher pay as well. Walmart right now offering more money for pharmacy technicians, some 36,000 of them, according to its website. The reason, Craig, that that is so important is because industry-wide right now, a lot of these pharmacists are being asked to do not just filling prescriptions, but also administering vaccines, answering phone calls, going to the drive-thru, this whole host of jobs responsibilities that oftentimes would be for us several people, but it's falling down to one person. Craig? Demanding job indeed. All right. Thank you. Sam Brock there in Florida. Pharmacists are so knowledgeable too. Mm -hmm. So hug a pharmacist. It's it's not just filling the prescription. No, it's a lot. Still ahead, two big stars from the world of music. Hoda's going to share her can't miss conversation with the legendary Shania Twain. Plus, Megan Trainer will be with us live on Popstar. She's got a big announcement. The first of these messages. 